song. What a celebration. What, what truth to live by. And it's really in the essence of the message that, that, that we're, we're going to kind of share together this morning. Vanity is professing Christ than living like an atheist. That's vanity. I got, I got worked over pretty hard by the Holy Spirit this morning. And I, I want to share that also and, and, and then kind of get off of my own testimony. But I, I'm a little weary. I'm tired. Uh, we've had a, 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 a very stressful two weeks. It's been a beautiful two weeks. But with death and sorrow and grief on so many levels and so many places and dealing with families, and, and, and I, don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. Please do not misinterpret what I'm saying. It's a passion we have to do those things. It's our passion. It's our life. But you get a little weary. And so I was praying this morning, and I, I was asking the Lord to, to give me an Aaron and a her, you know, hold up my arms during the battle. And Lord, I'm really depending on you this morning because I'm tired, I'm weary. And the Lord gave me a big old kick in the rear end and said, well, who are you depending on when you're all rested up and full of energy? Oh, Now, I don't know if I'm just singled out on this or not, but has, has God ever kicked you in the rear? Yeah. <laughs> so praise the Lord. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about even the praise team itself. What a beautiful job. It's about who God is. It's about who Christ is. And what he has promised to be and do in our lives. Vanity. Excessive pride. In or admiration of one's own appearance or achievements. Second definition. The quality of being worthless <laughs> or futile. Stand as we read from the word of God, please, if you are able. We are in the 127th Psalm, and particularly these, these opening verses, I'm, I'm quite sure are familiar to many of you, but let's read together. A song of ascents of Solomon, so we have another author revealed to us. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go uh, late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. 
He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Father, we pray that these words, which are living, would find fertile soil in our own hearts so that they may take root. Father, just not we're not here to just gain a little bit more knowledge. We gather this morning to experience the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And as we leave, I pray that we are all walking just a little bit closer to the God who loves us beyond our understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. The main idea of this psalm is that without God, it's just not worth it. But when we give God the rightful place in our life, which is the throne, we can rest in his blessings. Solomon introduces this idea through a couple of images, the building of a house and the guarding of a city. He then makes application to those who labor and toil without trusting God. And then finally, he closes by speaking about God's provision for our needs, and he uses children as an example. Apart from active dependence upon the Lord, apart from trust in the Lord, our lives are pointless, restless, and fruitless. Everybody say amen. Are you sure? Am I sure? I hope I'm more sure after we have finished this morning. One of the most telling features of this short poem, this short writing, is that it singles out three of our, our most universal preoccupations. Building, securing, raising a family. And it, may, it literally makes us ask, what they all amount to. And to whom do they really belong? So point number one for our consideration is life without Christ is pointless. It's pointless. Verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So it's not only pointless, it's purposeless. The key phrase that we, we might hang our hat on here for just a moment is, unless the Lord. It's like we ought to begin everything we say, everything we plan, everything we do, every idea we have, unless the Lord. If he isn't in it, forget it. Forget it. It's of no value. It has no eternal significance, and that's what this all boils down to. We'll, we'll get a little more into this later, but I, we, we need to decide. We've got to do a better job of discerning what's really important, what has eternal value, what has eternal significance, and what's going to burn up with the rest of this earth when it's all gone. We must understand this and we must live by it. Nothing is worth anything unless the Lord. No value, no purpose unless the Lord. We labor, we toil, we sweat, we shed tears over the things of this world. We build, we guard, we worry all about the wood, hay, and stubble. 
and it's all going to be gone. Yet we can totally neglect the eternal things. Brothers and sisters, my friends, we must start living in total dependence on Christ or quit professing him as Lord. Amen. The best stuff that life can give you apart from the Lord is empty. It will not fill you up. Well, I would say it might fill you up, but it will never satisfy. You can throw yourself into so many things. And at the end of the day, we'll look at ourselves in the mirror or we'll wake up one morning and we'll say, what was the point of all of that? What was the point? Solomon here is telling us that when we build and when we seek security, they are either the Lord's doing or they are ultimately pointless. We can work like beavers and we can endeavor to protect ourselves and find security in various ways and various situations of life. And if those things are ultimately not of the Lord's doing, one day we're going to look in the mirror and say, what was all of that about? It was pointless. I want to challenge you, and I don't think this is inappropriate at all, but when we are faced with tragedies like Ron Nielsen. Let's pause and just consider, consider what he would have to say if he could speak here today about what's important. What's important? Brothers and sisters, we take life too flippantly. Life is fragile. We are but a mist. I am not here to discourage you. I'm here to give you hope. We're a mist. We're a vapor. We got to go with gusto for everything the Lord gives us in this moment in time that we have. I'm looking not only at myself in the mirror, but over a congregation that I love deeply. And there isn't one of us that has a guarantee we'll make it home today. Are you ready for that moment? What will you leave behind? A trail of worldly worthless stuff or eternal significance? We ask ourselves, we should ask ourselves these questions. Do we work in conscience, in a conscious total dependence on the Lord? Do we depend on the Lord to make our labor fruitful? Does our Christian faith dictate our approach to work, labor, vocation, everything we do? Does it dictate our lives or is it an add-on to everything else that we do? Is trust even a factor? Or do I just pretty much have things under control? I want to tell you about a man one time in 1983 come to face something. He was an arrogant man. He was a hard drinking, hard running, hard doing everything else wrong man. And one day at the point of his self-sufficiency, when he was absolutely convinced that he had everything under control, he was faced with the reality he was out of control. Completely 
out of control. And he fell down on the middle of a kitchen floor at the corner of 200 West 14th Street in Auburn, Kansas and said, God, I give up. I give up. It's pointless. It's purposeless. It's worthless. God, help me. If you even exist, help me. Well, brothers and sisters, I don't have it all figured out yet. I don't have it all figured out. But I know that Jesus loves me. And I know that Jesus died for me. I know Jesus lives for me. And I know Jesus has a plan for my life because now that I'm in Christ, I have purpose. I heard Pastor Adam teaching in Sunday school class this morning in that passage. I love that passage. We got to understand who we are in Christ. As sinners saved by grace, we got to understand who we are in Christ. We're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect this side of eternity. We're, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. Uh-oh, look out. We're going to sin. We'll fall short of the glory of God at moments. But God in his infinite grace and infinite mercy says, once you belong to me, every time I look at you, I see the holiness and purity of my son. And therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Celebrate church. For those who are in Christ Jesus this morning, you are holy and you were created for a purpose that you can now discover through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, Paul writes to the church at Colossae, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. And when we go to build that home, remember that Jesus is the master architect and builder. He is not only building a church, which is us folks. He's the head of the church. We are his bride. And he's not married to junk, I'll tell you that. But he's also preparing a place for us to go when all this is done here on this earth. Isn't that beautiful? He's prepared a place for us here, calls it his bride, calls it his church, and he's prepared a place for us in glory. He's a good builder. He's a great builder. Hebrews 11 kind of summarizes this. And God as the builder. He says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Because everything else we build on this earth, and I respect builders. I respect builders. I really do. Mark Zimmerman, I respect builders. Okay? But I'd still like you guys to consider adding on just... You know, now that you've about got it complete, maybe you could extend it a little bit. (laughs) 
Life without Christ is pointless. Life without Christ is restless. There is no rest. Oh, you can go to sleep. You can go to sleep at night. You can, you can get some sleep, but I'll guarantee you. And, and, and people, this, this is a tough one for some people to understand. God designed rest. Listen, this is an important principle. We, we, we miss some of these things in Scripture sometimes. It's like God designed love. So you cannot love apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you don't know the designer of love personally, you will never be able to function in that capacity. So we cannot love, truly love, without knowing who love is. Are you with me? God created rest. So we got the same application. On the seventh day, God rested. Now, was he wore out? Was he tired? No. He created it for us to rest. So here's the point. You can't love, really love, the fullness of love, the biblical form of love, without knowing the author and giver of love. And you can't rest without him who designed rest. Have you ever thought about that? It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. In other words, without rest, without rest, will, without knowing Christ, will, will go without rest. There is no real rest apart from being in an active, committed love relationship with Jesus Christ because he is our rest. Rest isn't just something we do. It's someone we know. It's someone we know. Listen to these words from Matthew chapter 11. The Lord is speaking. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Listen to these words of Christ now, very probably more familiar than those I just read. Come to me. This is Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. So it's Christ who gives rest. It's Christ alone who gives rest. You cannot rest apart from Christ. I don't, have, I, have I repeated myself too much? I'm tired of talking about rest. See it if you're awake. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is our rest. In verse 2, we see vain, mentioned three times. Renowned theologian, Tennessee Ernie Ford, gives us some insight into vain toil. 
Some people say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bones, a mind that's a weak and a back that's a strong. You load 16 ton, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. That's vanity. That's vanity, isn't it? I'm sorry, but it, I was sitting there making my notes, and that song popped into my head, and I just, I've been, I couldn't let it go. Born one morning when the sun didn't shine, I picked up my shovel and I went to the mine. I load 16 ton, what do I get? Another day older and deeper in debt. That's vanity. Vanity. Thank you, Tennessee. One author says, when you're burning the candle at both ends, it doesn't do any good to ask for more wax. But sometimes you also need to slow down. Trust God. Trust him who promised to provide for us. Working harder is not always the answer, but listen, trusting God is. Don't work like the devil, work like a believer. A couple of other quotes I stole from somebody, and I don't have their name, so I can't give them credit, but they're not mine originally, okay? I'll just say that. Work like a child of God. Trust God to meet your needs. God wants you to work. Do you hear me? I had a couple come into to my office one time, and, and uh, they, were, they were going through some premarital counseling. And, and, uh, and anyway, I was hearing this love story and, and trying to figure out exactly what I was going to do with this couple. And, and uh, uh, pretty soon, I, I, I got down to the personals, and I said, well, you know, uh, uh, asked the gentleman, I said, uh, uh, what do you do for a living? You know, uh, he said, well, I'm not, I'm not working right now, but my ship's coming in. I said, oh, really? How are you going to provide for your family? Well, I don't know, but I, I know something's going to happen any day now. I said, why don't you come back and see me when you get a job? Yeah, I did. Instead of waiting on your ship to come in, why don't you swim out to it? Now, I said that lovingly, but I want you to go back to Eden and see how God handled Adam. Huh? Have you ever picked up on this one? What was the first thing God gave to Adam? Oh, I, I, I hate to put you on the spot. I shouldn't have done that because I hate to put you on the spot. The first thing God gave Adam was a job. He created the garden and he put Adam in the garden to work it. Then Adam got a wife. Gentlemen, do you hear what I'm saying? Before you get a wife, get a job. Amen. Amen. That's an old-fashioned thought. I'll, I'll hang my hat on it. Right, Tarzan? Get a job. Because <laughs> it really plays into the next part of our, our message. Children. Children. There is no value in overworking yourself or staying up late at night worrying. God wants you to rest in his blessings. I want to read some scripture here very quickly, but very important. 
The third psalm says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Isn't that great? Psalm 3 and 5 and 6, Psalm 4 and 8, a couple of three verses here. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, you alone make me dwell in safety. So there's a security. Remember, we had the watchman guarding the city in vain if the Lord didn't build it. So, so we have safety, we have security, we have provision. I remember our Lord was sleeping right through the middle of a storm one night. Right? Right through the middle of the storm. Well, folks, I don't know about you, but uh, I've stayed awake a few stormy nights. And I want to tell you what it gained me. A very, very tired next day. Now, you'd think a fellow would learn after a while, but I've repeated that offense a time or two. And that's all it was ever gained, was a very tired next day. There are two extremes to avoid. Don't try to do it all yourself, and don't expect God to do it all for you. That's the two extremes. We meet in the middle. Don't be a workaholic. One author says, don't be a workaholic, be a shirkaholic. There's nothing wrong with building, maintaining, working hard. These things are important principles. But I encourage you, work hard, finish your day, trust God, and go to sleep. A restless soul is never finished. We go to bed worrying and we wake up worrying. And then the question, how many millions of people and how, and tragically, how many Christians go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning more like atheists than they are followers of Christ. Without Christ, life is fruitless. It's fruitless. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord and fruit the womb of a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. You know, I, I, I had added a scripture here and I'd like to read it because I, I, I think it kind of wraps up what we just talked about. James tells us something about life. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I go back to verse 1 of Psalm 127, unless the Lord. Unless the Lord. Okay, so third point, we can summarize it very quickly. I believe it is imperative that y'all start having more kids. A few immaculate conceptions may be necessary. Children are a gift from the Lord. I just had a, 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 a thought. I, I'm going to share it with you. 
There was a recent politician in Massachusetts who spoke some of the most horrible words, and, and you think you've heard it all. Was very disappointed that women aren't having more abortions when they know the baby may be special needs because it takes too much money to take care of a special needs child. Guys, I want to scream, I cry, I weep. There was a person who changed, almost changed the world with a plan of eugenics. His name was Adolf Hitler. His philosophy is still alive and well. His value of human life is still very much pervasive in our society today. God help this nation. God help this nation. We are just as dependent on God for our children as we are for everything else. Jacob in the Old Testament understood this. He said, they are the children of God, these children of mine, they are the children of God that he has graciously given your servant. Hannah understood this, and she said about Samuel, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. The story is told of a rich man who said to the poor man who had many children, these are they which make rich men poor. And the poor man responded, no, these are they which make a poor man rich. For there is not one of these whom we would part with for all your wealth. Too often today, children are considered a burden rather than a blessing. We need to trust God. And we need to rest in God's blessing and provision for our homes. Children are a gift from God. You know, Spurgeon even commented to this because I, I, I know that there are, there are some who have never been able to bear their own children. And, and I realize, that, and I, I've seen it too often, the tragedy of wanting a child and not being able to conceive. And my heart goes out to those people. And Spurgeon said, a quiver may be small, yet full. And many are blessed who have no quiver at all. My Aunt Millie was a mother to hundreds of kids throughout her lifetime and never bore a child. And never bore a child. It seems, though, that people today are choosing to have fewer children. That's a personal decision, but I want you to check your motivation. Someone said, we don't raise kids anymore, we finance them. And if that's our approach to children, then we are in grievous error. How do you put a value on the life of a child? The problem is, we have lost 
a trust in a God who said he would provide for all our needs. And we have lost sight of children as our inheritance and reward. We begin with, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. We end with, unless the Lord builds the home, those who dwell there will do so in vain. Do we really depend upon Christ? Or do we have a crisis Christianity where God is a convenient go-to when things aren't going well? I think of our affluent society and we live more like atheists than people who are trusting the Lord. And we must realize that without him we can do nothing. These words of Christ as we close. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. If you want a fruitful life, you got to belong to Jesus. Folks, if you want a life of purpose, you got to belong to Jesus. If you want a life filled with all the rest you need, you got to belong to Jesus. If you want a point for living, you got to belong to Jesus. You see, this message is not just for unbelievers. It may be more for believers. Are we professing faith in Christ and living like atheists? Father, Tough place to wrap it up. Tough place. But I pray that these words penetrate our hearts. Father, it's brought so much conviction to my own. And God, I got to live more like a follower of Jesus Christ. It's imperative. I got I to gotta learn to trust you more. Father, we, we have to understand that Every breath we take is a gift from you. Every breath, the air we breathe, every heartbeat, every time our heart beats, we need to stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because at any moment, that rhythm could cease. And life be extinguished. But Father, we're here. We're breathing. We got a heartbeat. So I think we ought to start living more for your glory instead of our own. Thank you, Father, for giving us life. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us 
the great salvation that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. And to him goes all honor, praise, and glory. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. If you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I, I just, I don't know how to emphasize this so much today, 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 this moment. This is all we have right now. This is it. This is it. One of the last things Connie Nielsen wanted me to share yesterday, and she said, Elvin, I want you to close the service with this. I want you to tell everybody there, do not procrastinate. Do not procrastinate. Please, Elvin, tell them, don't put off decisions until tomorrow. Don't do it. If you're not sure about your salvation, come see one of us after church. We'll be glad. We'll spend days here (laughs) helping you, guiding you through the Word of God, showing you how you can have life and have abundant life. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are people here that may have been attending church all of their lives, and you don't know right now if you can say with full confidence, I'm a child of God. You don't know. And the tragedy is, you may still be trying to to earn points. Earn favor with God. But I've been a good man. I've been a good woman. I've read my Bible every day. I pray. I do all these things. Have you repented of your sins and come to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the question. That's the question. Forget the stars on your attendance chart. Forget the good things that you can list, how noble they are. Are you saved? For God's sake, are you saved? Do you know that if you were on your way home today and breathed your last, do you know with full confidence based on the sovereignty of God where you will open your eyes next? Do you know?